Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we're joined by Rachel Drake, a professional trail runner for Nike based in Portland, Oregon, ahead of her race at the Black Canyon 100K on February 10th. In this conversation, we talk about using the road marathon as a vehicle for trail speed, collaborating with competitors to reach your potential, the appeal of Black Canyon and a golden ticket to Western States, compartmentalizing her running career, and her experience in the Hong Kong trail scene last month. Before we get started, though, thank you to Knack for supporting the show. Knack is the official nutrition partner of Singletrack. You've heard me talk a lot about their mission, their products, and why I'm into what they're doing. But one thing I haven't talked a lot about that I'm pretty excited on are their race-specific nutrition quizzes. These exist on their website, knack.com, and you know, with races like Black Canyon 100K on the near horizon, you can take these quizzes, enter all your relevant information like height, weight, sweat rate, and race day goals, and it formulates a nutrition plan right down to the precise aid stations on each of these courses. It's awesome. Go check it out for yourself. Again, the website is knack.com, and while you're there, if you end up buying some product, feel free to use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get started. Rachel Drake, it is great to have you on the Single Track Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you here. And there is a lot to talk about with regard to the Black Canyon 100K. And I, But I also have an assortment of questions sort of about like your last few months of training and racing and overall outlook on the sport. I think the first thing I'm interested to learn more about is the way you characterized CIM, like you kind of framed it less as a means of getting to the Olympic trials and more as this quote unquote vehicle for trail speed. So talk about that some more. Like, was that always your intention from the outset to use CIM as sort of this means to maybe be at your best for races like Black Canyon? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of things at play there. I did uh, my first road marathon in 2019. I did grandma's marathon in June and then ran CCC two months later. And I felt like the fitness, surprisingly, the fitness from that road marathon really translated well into CCC. And after having a baby and doing a couple speedier European races, I was just craving the speed that a road marathon training block gave me. So I was looking forward to black canyons and I was thinking, okay, I think a road marathon block would, would actually work a lot better than, uh, work a lot better for black canyons than it did for CCC. And I thought it worked pretty well for CCC. So that was kind of what I was thinking, um, with that. Where did you, going back to CCC with that grandma's marathon, where did you ultimately notice the, the breakthroughs or the differences in your training for that race? Yeah, I think it came from a combination of just like just general cardiovascular fitness, but then also sort of the mental freshness of coming off a road marathon where you're focused on, you know, following the person in front of you and just running fast and you're not you're not thinking about vert or um doing like getting trail fit. It just felt like okay, you you have all this fitness, but then you're completely, at least for me, I was mentally fresh for the trails because it just feels like a different sport. So mm. I feel like it was, yeah, a combination of just the raw fitness and also the mental, the mental side of things feeling fresh. On the physical side too, do you feel like you were able to withstand the demands of like running on the roads pretty frequently? And then of course, like throwing down a pretty 
awesome effort on race day itself? Like, do you feel like you physically bounced back pretty well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I have a great, a great network of people helping me out. Um, I've been training with the Bowerman elite team. And so just, there's a, a great, you know, library of athletes in that, in that team that I can train with and that I can bounce ideas off of. And then, you know, having a physical therapist and, Mm. um, all that, all those kinds of things, I think, uh, keep me pretty healthy. And then also, um, I'm, I'm doing pretty low mileage as well. And I think that that's keeping me feeling fresh also. In your CIM recap on Instagram, one thing that stuck out to me, you you talked about this concept of co-regulation with competitors and that there's nothing more comforting and and powerful than, I think it was, you said like collaborating with your fellow competitors. So for people that missed that post, I found that to be really interesting. Talk about what that looked like practically on race day and, and, and why you feel strongly about using it just, just like generally as part of like a race day strategy. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've felt this a few times and really anytime I've had a race that I'm especially proud of, there's always some magic moment with a woman that I'm technically racing against. We're trying to beat each other, but there's just like this mutual respect where you're synced up and you're, you're holding each other accountable and you're, you're rooting for the other person because you want them to be at their best because that forces you to be at your best. And if they're not fit or having a bad day, you're, and you beat them, that's not going to be very satisfying and, Mm. and it won't draw out the best in you. So I, I think it's a, a better way, at least for me to frame competition is I'm bringing my A game out of respect for my competitors. And I hope that they will do the same. And on, and on race day, I want to collaborate with them to just get the best out of each other and out of ourselves. And then, honestly, who cares about the results? Like if we all do the best that we possibly can, that's, that's the most satisfying thing ever. Practically, does it look like, you know, mid-race pep talk or, you know, grabbing like a, like a water cup off an aid station table for, you know, the person you're running with, or what did that look like for you at CIM? Yeah, there was, there was a lot of that. I think that that was a little bit more natural because a lot of people were trying to hit the qualifier. And so, you know, we're trying to, pull each other along. And I, I made it my goal very early in the race. Like I will not say no to anyone who's offering me a swig of their drink. And so I drank (laughs) from like 10 different people's water bottles because people would get their bottle from the, from the aid station. And then it would just be passed around a pack of women. So I think that was, yeah, that was a practical component of it. And then I was running, I was running over half of the race with Peyton Thomas, um, another trail runner. And we were, you know, exchanging, you know, words of encouragement. And there was, there was even just a, a, a few hints of like, okay, we go through a jostling aid station. And there was a moment where whoever was slightly ahead would almost check back and be like, Hey, are you coming with me? Like, we're, we're much stronger together than we are apart. So let's just keep pushing together for as long as we can. And, you know, we didn't necessarily say that, but it felt unspoken that we would work together as long as we can and then sort out, you know, who between us was going to end up in front. But yeah, it was really fun. It's so interesting. And maybe this is sort of like a, a stereotype I had that you dispel, but I've always 
thought of the marathon scene as more of cut like a cutthroat type thing and it's it's hard to make passes and whatnot whereas like what you're describing is more of this like trail culture type thing where even though you're competitors you're sort of in it together uh you know survival is key in addition to just having like the best possible day so it's cool to see that like even in the marathon scene this this sort of environment transfers yeah i I didn't feel that in all, I've only done three marathons, but I didn't feel that when I did grandma's. Like, I think this was more of a artifact of, okay, this is the last opportunity to qualify for the trials where we all have that time goal. Whereas when I ran grandma's, it was a little bit more, you know, I was trying to chat with people while we were running. Cause you know, it's, it's a long race and like nobody yeah. was really wanting to chat. So I think there is still quite a difference between the road scene and the trail scene, but it was really nice to have that that connection um, at CIM. Maybe one last thing on CIM. I'm not familiar with exactly how it works, but in your case, you got this qualifying time just before the 2024 trials. Does that mean that this whole process has to reset? And like, if you wanted to go for it and say 2028, you kind of have to replicate what you just did? Yeah, exactly. I think they'll announce probably a year or two after the Olympics, what the new standard is and what the time frame is for qualifying. So okay. the time frame for this one, it might have opened like while I was pregnant or just before I got pregnant. So um yeah, I would have to to go for it again. A couple more things before we get into Black Canyon. There was another quote I came across on your IG and it was maybe before or after Kodiak uh, back in the fall. And you say, quote, in our burgeoning sport, it feels like more and more frequently athletes are put in positions to make decisions that sort of contradict the reasons we pursue the sport initially. It's sort of like this double-edged mm -hmm. sword. Yep. You're riding this thin edge between too much racing, traveling, training, and then missing out on your dreams. Mm -hmm. And a great quote. And I guess the question I have here especially since we're at the beginning of a new year is what has ultimately worked for you in terms of how you decide between all these competing interests and how you optimize your race calendar? Yeah. I mean that the whole post is exactly, it's exactly what you're saying right now. It's like, it's sort of impossible nowadays to, to do that when, you know, you have to qualify for a race by doing a race that you don't really want to do. And you're in the middle of a training block for something else, like to, to sort of read between the lines with that post, I was in the thick of training for CIM, which was a big dream of mine to, to just get the OTQ, even though I didn't want to run at the trials but then also being forced to do a race to qualify for UTMB, mm. you know, and in the same breath, I say, I expect my competitors to bring their A game when I race. And here I am sort of half-heartedly doing this 50K just to get a qualifier for UTMB. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of of not not knowing, I guess, not always doing what I it's not sticking true to my, my, I don't know. I feel conflicted, I guess. I'm yeah. sort of at a loss for words because I don't want to have to do that. But at the same time, I like the UTMB races and I don't want to be stuck in a position where I, I can't do those races. But at the same time, I, I want to, you know, stick to my beliefs and, and, and do the races that are best for me. So it's, 
there's no good answer, but I guess getting back to your question, how do I make a calendar? I think if I can, if I can accomplish the task of, you know, doing a race, but not having it be an A race, for example, Kodiak or like this 33 K I just did in Hong Kong, that wasn't my A race. Black Canyons is my A race, but I can still get a good long run in. I can still put a hard effort in and have it be a useful, a useful component of a training block for something bigger. It's, it's interesting. And this is totally coincidental, but I was on a run yesterday with a mutual friend, Leah Yingling, and we were talking exactly about this topic and because she has Western States and UTMB on her schedule next year. No, maybe, maybe it's run rabbit in Western States, but we were sort of talking about this exact dilemma. And it's like, I think one of the ways she framed it was you can sort of compartmentalize your career. And like, she is in the season of, you know, working through all of these qualifying systems to get to these, you know, hyper professional races, but then there's probably going to be a season not too far away from now where, you know, because we're based in Salt Lake city, her priorities are like the Wasatch 100, the bear Mm -hmm. 100 high lonesome. A lot of these cool, like more local races where, uh, you know, equally compelling, but just like easier to, uh, to schedule around. And I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that was, that was kind of a liberating, uh, answer as I was like thinking about all this. I love that. I think, I think that's a great way also to stay fresh as a, as an athlete, like to not do the same exact races year after year, just because they're the most prestigious ones, but to sort of have a year where you're, you're deciding to stay close to home, whether that's just staying in the United States or you say, I'm just going to race in my geographic region. I think, I think Chrissy Mail did that a few years back where she's, yes. you know, she's traveled the world and she said, I'm just going to do all these, these races local to me, um, in Washington. So I love that. And I, I hope, I hope more people do that too. I would like to do that. Before we get into Black Canyon, I, I got to ask you about one more thing, um, and it's the Hong Kong trail scene. The the 100K race there that Tyler just did sort of came back on my radar after the World Trail Majors were announced, and I felt like you guys did a great job of documenting the the sights and the scenes on social. What um, what stood out to you in particular about the scene? I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, but the community there is incredible. I mean, the kindness and the generosity and the enthusiasm for the sport is just amazing. And I think, I mean, anyone listening to to this podcast is probably listening because they love trail running. They love the people that they meet in it. And that's the reason I'm in the sport. And then to go, you know, halfway across the world and feel that in almost an even higher degree of that, that love and, um, just, yeah, the kindness they have. I mean, I have so many good little stories of just kind things that people did for other people or for us while we were there. It was just like Tyler and I would look at each other almost in tears. Like, can you believe this? This is, I mean, these people are amazing. Um, great community. And then that's not even to mention like the, the beauty of the city and the trails and, um, really easy place to travel. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. It seems like the the mountains there, which are spectacular by the looks of them, it, they're they're sort of like they hover right over the metro area, so you can kind yeah. of run in the mountains straight into the downtown if you want. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, like to have basically New York City, but with a massive network of trails surrounding it. Um, 
yeah, it was really, really neat. And then are the trails buffed out? Is it like California carpet? Is it technical? Mm -hmm. No. So I guess there's, there's quite a variety of surfaces. Um, there's a bit of road, some running on the beach, um, some almost like sidewalks through the jungle and then also some dirt. But then I think the biggest, the biggest theme of the Hong Kong trails is stairs. There's steep stairs, Mm -hmm. gradual stairs, short stairs, long stairs, any type of stair you could think of, they had it there. Um, so that was, that was a unique feature for both Tyler and I just to be racing on stairs for a long time. Very cool. Well, yeah, again, just kind of going back to how it was portrayed on social, it kind of felt like a similar environment to ultra trail Cape town there in Cape town, South Africa, maybe bits and pieces of Chamonix, maybe bits and pieces of, uh, Auburn during Western States time. It just seems so cool. And, uh, I'll mm-hmm. be curious to see if this becomes something that a lot of people immediately look to early season. Cause the last two months, like December and January, with the exception of this race, they do sort of feel like the off season. So yeah, I don't know. Very yeah. Exciting. Yeah. I hope more people go there, you know, with trail running growing so exponentially in Asia, I feel like there's this sort of unspoken and unfounded expectation that the trail runners in Asia come to Europe and come to the United States, but we should also be going to them. Um, so I hope that more, more Americans, more Europeans take on, on those trails. Moving to black Canyon, sort of talking about like how you've trained for it, how you studied for it the last mm-hmm. two ish months, maybe starting with Intel. I know you're good friends with Keely. You've gotten some good training in with her recently. She's had a lot of success at this race. Yeah. What have been some of the takeaways from talking with her about the course and how the race unfolds? Yeah, I think she, obviously she absolutely crushed it. Um, she said just like, you know, certain people will take it out fast. And, um, I mean, I feel like it's, it's all the classic trail running stuff. Like don't, um, don't light too many matches too soon and make sure you're eating and, you know, if it's hot, cool yourself down. Um, I think, Keely having been coached by Tyler and then me also being coached by Tyler, knowing that Keely and I are different people and we need different things. But I feel like that's given me a lot of confidence in my path, just having, having Tyler along and, and Keely, of course, like though Tyler's writing my training, I also will touch base with Keely kind of more on like the, the like nutrition and, you know, like, menstrual cycle type things, um, just to make sure that I'm in a good place with all of that. So yeah, I got a good team. Tyler's gotten a golden ticket here before too, right? A couple years back. Yeah. He won in 2021 and I actually ran the, Leah and I ran the 60 K that year as well. So I've seen a lot of the course. Yeah. For you is the, is the draw of this race? Is it the course? Is it the desert? Is it the competition? Is it what's at stake with golden ticket? Talk about that. It's honestly, so it's kind of a little bit of world trail majors and it's also like loving Jubilee and Jamil and wanting to support their business and kind of promote their, their whole situation. So it just felt like, felt like a good fit, felt like a good, um, time from CIM being two months after, I think there were a lot of things that fell, fell into place with it. 
from a training standpoint, were you touching trails at all during the CIM buildup or was it sort of like a reintroduction in the last two months? And has that been like a, something we've had to like refamiliarize yourself? Talk about that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, in the past when I did road marathons, I sort of begrudgingly said, I'm going to still run trails. I'm going to go skiing. I'm not going to just be a road runner. But this time I said, you know, I don't need to be so, I don't need to be so strict. And, um, so I, I just did mostly road running. I hardly did trail running during the CIM build, which I think led me to feeling even more excited and even more fresh on the trails because I went for a run in the Columbia River Gorge shortly after CIM and I was I was just blown away with the splendor in there. I had forgotten yeah. how green and lush and wonderful it was. So yeah, it's been a, more of a reintroduction the last two months. Feeling good, like healthy, uh, the long runs have kind of clicked, the workouts have clicked, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm really happy with with the training block, I think it's hard to go into a hundred K when you're never going to run a hundred K in practice. But, um, I was actually talking to Nuria Picas, the Spanish charming legend. And she, she just said, you know, if you want to do the longer stuff, you just have to do it because you don't know how you're going to respond and you're never going to go there in training. So just get as fit as you can. And that's kind of, that's what makes it exciting is that you don't know exactly how it's going to go. This is a little bit of a, like a side topic, but I'm reminded of it. Like you, like, as I've observed you and Tyler, just in your running the last couple of years, you both strike me as really dedicated and really diligent when it comes to prep for these big races. And I've always wanted to know, like, is that a skill or a mindset that both of you have, or does one influence the other? It's all Tyler. Like, is it really? Oh yeah. He, I mean, I feel like for the longest time I was just like such a free spirit when it came to trail running. I was like, I'm not doing workouts or don't tell me what my workout is until the day of. And I don't want to think about it. Don't even tell me who's in the race. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to know what the course is like. And Tyler was very much the opposite where he was like studying the course and like, being very specific and being very disciplined with his heat training and his lifting everything like his his uh mindfulness and so i i see the success that he's had with that sort of yeah doing it over the the time that i've known him going from being a full-time teacher just you know to now a sponsored athlete it's like okay this consistency and dedication there's something there. So he's rubbed off on me for sure. Amazing. Um, yeah, huge, huge credit to Tyler. And maybe that is a major part of the, the key, like you said, to longevity in the sport durability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as like talent starts to equalize or become very close at a certain point, the difference maker is like, how hard are you willing to prepare like logistically and then yes. doing like the one, to 2% stuff? Yes. Keely and I were just talking about this, like, and Keely's been in the sport, you know, almost a decade. And she's saying you could, you could be, you could get on a starting line and just be way more fit than your competitors and win the race that way. And you could be bad at eating or not do any strength. But nowadays you kind of have to, if you want to be, if you want to be competitive, you kind of have to be good at everything. You can't, you can't really let anything slide, which is really exciting. 
Is, do you think that's a, a very recent change or has that been building for a while? I think pro- probably probably more gradually building, but I think maybe we're just starting to notice it more now. It's kind of like like in triathlon. I listened to this podcast with Chelsea Sidaro and she said, you know, five, seven years ago, you could be a really bad swimmer and a good biker and runner and you could win, but now you have to be pretty good at all three. I think it's kind of a similar thing. Also, thank you to Rabbit for supporting the show. Rabbit is the official apparel partner of Singletrack, and you've heard me talk about them over the past two months, but I have become almost an everyday user of their new Cocoon 2.0 product. It's this advanced sweatshirt with a built-in turtleneck that pulls up into a secure hood and breathable face mask. It's got thumbnails and watch windows to keep your hands warm without a fuss, and a water-resistant finish and fleecy interior for the most comfortable protection. I wear it on my runs. I wear it while ski mountaineering. It's the real deal. Um, winter's here, you know, so go check it out. If you need to upgrade your kit, grab one and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout when purchasing for 20% off your order. In in your case, and, and I, I apologize because I haven't studied maybe like your 2019 season as close as I should, but do you feel like you're working at about the same capacity that you were then to achieve the same results? Or have you had to to level up yourself to sort of like stay closer to the top of the sport? It's a really difficult question because I am just, a, it feels like a different person. Like my body's completely different after having a yeah. baby. So my mileage right now is significantly less, but I'm honing recovery a lot more and focusing on, on the little things a lot more. And I think, um, with all that in mind, I feel better, but it's like, you know, people have asked me, do you feel like you've do you feel like you're back postpartum? And I'm like, I don't, yeah. I will never be back. I I think about, um, I think about Shakari Richardson when she says, I'm not back, I'm better. It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to say that. I just feel like I'm not back. I'm different. <laughs> That's a great quote, by the way. Yeah. Um, so funny. Assuming you, let's just assume you get a golden ticket, mm-hmm. uh, which I know is like, you know, Obviously, I think you're one of the front runners for the race, but it's it is an assumption. What is assuming you get the golden ticket, what does the rest of the year look like for you? Um, we've been talking about going to Miute, the Madeira yeah. Island Ultra Trail. So I would I would probably do a shorter distance race there. And then I yeah, I don't really I don't really have anything else um aside from Western states that I would want to do. Maybe some local fifty Ks or something. Um yeah. What's the, what's Maybe. the why now? What's the why now for Western States? I think, you know, I'm, I'm starting residency in July and it feels like a great time to just dive into something big like that to get my first hundred mile under my belt before I start that. And then I always joked that I needed to have a kid before I ran a hundred miles and now I've had a kid. <laughs> so I think it's time. Do you feel like yeah, this is one thing I'm curious about. Like you obviously had the experience of, of bringing a, a human into the world. You have done a lot of impressive things already sort of on like the academic medical front. Does this new residency program, does this sort of up the stakes in terms of where you're able to invest time from like a running standpoint? Like, is this even more, I don't want to say destabilizing, but forcing you to reevaluate how much you want to invest in the sport after you get into it? 
I think I think there's just uncertainty with that. I mean, anyone who has been through residency or knows someone who's been through residency knows that there are busy times within it. Um, yeah. But I'm still I'm still optimistic that I'll be able to com- you know be a competitive athlete throughout it, knowing that there will be more busy and less busy times. And depending on where we go, for example, if we end up in Salt Lake City, I think it would be a great place to, you know, continue pursuing that. So, um, yeah, it's just, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty because we don't know where we're going. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. You know, I hear great things about a lot of different places that I interviewed and I'm excited about a lot of different places that I interviewed. And, I think a lot of them would be great places to to run and also to raise a family and learn how to be an anesthesiologist. But uh, the word destabilizing is good because because we just don't know what the future will hold. When you said Salt Lake City, first of all, I do hope you guys move to Salt Lake City. It would be amazing. We would love to have you here. But I'm imagining a version two of that free trail film where they caught you sort of like uh, running commuting to work. And oh, yeah. You, like using the Bonneville shoreline trail here in Salt Lake city as part of like your run commute That'd into the awesome. hospital and, st- and still finding a way to, to get the training in to, to be, you know, performing at a high level in the sport, but also, you know, doing your work well too. So I don't know. I'm super excited. And I hope, I hope you move here. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I know a lot of people who work at the university of Utah do that commute. Like I've had, I've had classmates who have gone there and um, yeah, I think it'd be a great place, but Um, yeah, again, I've like, I've done this for a long time. Like I've been in this MD PhD program for 10 years and I've had all of these races under my belt within that. So while this will be different, I feel like, feel like there will be a way to, to figure it out. So I'm excited to see what it looks like. Awesome. Well, Rachel, it's, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really excited to watch your race unfold at Black Canyon a couple of days from today. And uh, yeah, we'll make sure to link to all of your social media in the show notes. Um, any final thoughts, calls to action for listeners and viewers before we go? Ooh, calls to action. Uh, go to the Hong Kong 100K. Go experience that. That or like Ultra Trail Mount Fuji. Just go race. Um, go race in Asia. 